You know, we got to shout out to all the people out here, you know. And as usual, you know, we do this for the wash gang. So shout out to all my wash gang, especially those with heating pads and back massagers. I am the new owner of both of these products with more to come. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you. Thank you. You can't tell me it's not Christmas. Um, I've officially evolved into prime wash nigga lavishness levels like a Pokemon. So, you know, you see me out here. Just keep it moving, you know, got the heating pad walking around, like don't ask questions, you know. I got the joint where it's the massage where they put in your neck, you take a little straps, you know what I mean, with a little extra pressure, pull down. I'm saying it's coming out the house, I ain't gonna lie, you know. Watch nigga lavishness everywhere I go. <laughs> Shout out to the Real Talk Session Series, turning two years old officially today. Um, I look back and we've accomplished a lot in a short amount of time and I'll talk about, you know, some of that stuff later on, but I promise you get ready for 2021 because we really turned up. We got some stuff going on and shout out to the new followers and supporters too, because, you know, we cannot do any of this without y'all. You know, we can't have our impact grow. Um, we like seeing y'all interact with us, you know, so keep talking to us, you know, get at us, you know, cause we out here actually making change. And we want to hear from the people, you know, and shout out to everybody just, you know, maintaining and getting through these days. We just ordinary people trying to survive a Panasonic. Know what I mean, but uh, 2020 has been a very wild year and we about to wrap up, you know, and I had things and people in my life that I thought was going to be forever, but it just revealed itself to be a great chapter, which is the book of Taryn. I mean, um, I went from being engaged to being single. But more recently, um, I, ha I had another tragic loss, right? One that has a 10 plus year history. I, I got a story to tell. I'm sorry, I'm a little emotional right now, but uh, I had to say farewell to my favorite egg and cheese spot, y'all. Like, I'm, I'm hurt. I'm hurt, hurt. Like, if y'all saw Harley Quinn in that last movie when she was talking about that sample, that's me right now, y'all. I'm hurt, for real. 
the goodness which was that sandwich you know it had the perfect egg to bread ratio with the cheese come on now you know you can't do it because sometimes people put too much cheese on that joint and you know black folk be uh lactose intolerant you know what i mean so um yeah we know what'll be happening there but you know it's, with this perfect amount of cheese perfect amount of bread perfect amount of egg you know and um y'all know i'll be doing the video stuff and on film days you know it can be many many hours of just going without having a full break so you know i like to make sure i got a big breakfast because you know i don't eat until everything is done and over with so you know had a big shoot day down in baltimore one day and i live in jersey so you know it's a long ride and you know I'm, i gotta leave fairly early so you know i called into my spot and as soon as i started talking he was like my friend i know your order i know who you are you are so in my mind i said my nigga <laughs> but out of my mouth came i truly appreciate you i'll see you in a little bit so you know as soon as i got closer to the spot my mouth began to water because i knew the fire that was in store you know i've never been let down by the spot you know so i entered the establishment and i went to the grill to grab my sandwich and then he proceeds to tell me the amount and extend his hands like he wanted the money. So I'm like, huh? Because this is weird. Um, because usually it is a cashier. However, um, I, that thought was cut short, right? Because I had looked at his hands. Um, fam, this man's hands looked like he was doing work in the soil of a garden without gloves. And I didn't even see one glove in sight. Then he had the nerve to say, Oh yeah, I remember you went to salt pepper ketchup, my friend. I got you. Got you. Then he proceeded to take my sandwich out of the bag, out of the wrapper, with those same nasty ass hands without washing his hands or putting on gloves. And he handled my sandwich, then wrapped it back up like it was all good. Violation. And after that, he took my money and walked to the register with no gloves, gave me my change, and then went right back to the grill to cook. Fam, I, I could not even speak. I was dumbfounded. Um, but in that moment, I knew that it was over. This 10 plus year relationship of this sandwich is done. pandemic and i've been loyal for years so i gave him the money i ain't even say nothing but i just don't go there no more i'm hurt but i found a black owned spot that's an upgrade plus they cheaper because my man was getting low get a little wild with the little price know what i mean so you know shout out to y'all and if you would like to know what spot i'm talking about you can dm me because i don't want people out there to um go through the same shit i did but i ain't gonna get them no free press free promo nothing like that out here know what i mean so dm me but uh yeah just a little life update about myself a lot of stuff been going on and just in general with the um end of the year holidays all that stuff with people not being here it's been kind of uh a lot, a lot of heaviness you know like i'm sure for other people and especially on top like me in the pandemic so um in episode 111 um that's one of where i got very personal uh where i talked about my past uh struggling with mental health issues and suicidal ideation how i got through that um please go back and listen to it if you haven't i haven't gotten too graphic with it um hopefully it's not triggering but i want to give you that advanced notice but um 
I spoke about my aunt in episode 111 of uh, the miseducation of the people. And um, when I was a kid, uh, I would come home from school. Um, probably was like first or second grade. And she would babysit me after I got home. And we would have graham crackers and milk and watch Simpsons. Like this is a cool ass aunt, you know, that I used to chill with all the time. But when she passed, I hadn't had um, graham crackers and milk ever since then. Like literally like years. We're talking about like over 25 years or so, right? So um, I do a weekly uh, in our own voice presentation. Shout out to National Alliance of Mental Illness, NAMI. Um, and NAMI, uh, these presentations are free, FYI, uh, if you are within Jersey. Um, these presentations uh, allow for me to share my story and to be able to educate people about mental health and, you know, just getting right mentally, pretty much. So uh, I have a uh, presentation that I do for this one organization weekly. Um, probably been about 20 plus times with the same Cooper Center. Um, and I do speak about my childhood trauma um, and how it influences who I am today. And I speak about uh, that moment with the graham crackers and milk. So because of like hearing my story repeatedly, my co-presenter has heard it many times. She probably could spit it out by memory. So I was feeling heavy um, on December 2nd, um, like I needed a release, but I didn't know how to. And due to me suppressing my emotions for many, 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 many years um, because of, you know, the BS conditioning that society tells us that men shouldn't cry or show emotions. You know, um, I have an issue with crying, you know, crying is actually very healthy for you. But for me, um, it feels like it's a backup and I can't cry at all or force myself to cry. And it really takes a lot for it to come out. Um, and sometimes it feels like it hurts. Um, but my fault is a tangent right there. Right. So one day, that same exact day where I was feeling heavy, my co-presenter randomly sent me a picture of graham crackers with milk. And I instantly started crying and felt a release of weight. Cause I'm like, I was thinking about my eye at the time and I haven't seen that literally in years. And it was just like, yeah, I needed it, you know? But um, I've really been getting into my spiritual bag. Um, like y'all been hearing me talk about all throughout the show. Um, and it's really dope seeing how, you know, my ancestors have been reaching back out. Um, like I've been grinding, grinding and pretty much, you know, the affirmations that I'm on the right path have becoming more frequently. And there's a energy of abundance into the air, you know, and I could truly say like I stepped my shit up, you know, um, plus the fact that it's the fourth quarter, you know, we about to end 2020 this year of detachment, this year of lessons, this year of hardships, this year of abundance also, you know what I mean? But, um, I'm out here feeling like Ray Lewis back when he was on the Ravens knocking motherfuckers heads off way before he started indulging in the Tom Coonery of the anti-nailing BS he pulled a few years ago. But anyway, um, you know, it, it's really time for us to stop playing around and take control over our lives. Um, it's extremely easy to be unhappy because, you know, that requires the least amount of work. It's easy to play the victim, to blame other people, because that doesn't require you to look at the ugliness of yourself. So I'm challenging the fellas and individuals that identify themselves as men to man up. There's not no misogynistic shit at all, right? But push yourselves to evolve into the best versions of yourself in all areas. So, you know, like Benny the Butcher said, what's a king to a god, nigga, right? So I'm really locked in on bringing myself and my family to the next level. And discipline is rewarded. And that is what's going on right now. Um, a lot of men, including my past self, are consumed by their egos and think that their world, their opinion, their views, etc., are the only thing that matters, similar to what a king does, right? 
They protect what's theirs and only focus on that. Uh, if you violate their beliefs or whatnot, then you're going to be, you know, met with a defensive stance and you just like, a lot of just hostility. I, I'll say that much, right? Um, a lot of selfishness. Um, and, you know, that's what kings do. But gods, they look at the bigger picture. You know, you can keep that little piece of land. I'm good with that. You know, I'm good with the whole planet. Give me that instead. You know, my legacy is going to last forever while a king's only last for an era. And I promise I'm not a hotep talking about this king and god shit, right? First of all, we must internalize the flatulation of the matter by transmitting the effervescence of the Indonesian proximity in order to further segregate the crux of my venereal infection. So I had just been so deep into practice of becoming a better man that it really allows me to connect a lot of shit that I couldn't do before and that a lot of other people take a lot of time to figure out or not at all, you know? And this is because, you know, I'm truly committed. Like, I don't really watch TV like that. I'm trying to cut down on, you know, consuming negative stuff and really just reading and taking in positive information that's going to allow for me to unlearn all the bullshit that I learned before, right? And one thing in particular is called myelin. Um, it's a... I don't know how to, to describe it, right? But, but myelin, it kind of uh, wraps around your neurons in your brain, whatever, right? And the thicker it is, the better it may, it, it better protects your neurons, all that stuff, and allows you to perform better mentally. Um, I, it's a lot of scientific shit. It's pretty cool. But uh, I highly suggest that you check out the book, The Talent Code by Daniel Coyle for more information. Um, he goes more into depth about myelin and, you know, just deep practice and all that good stuff. And it's not one of those boring books where it's like, oh my gosh, you know, but more so I'm just really putting that information out there to help people to grow and evolve and become better. Um, and oftentimes, you know, people talk about creating change or doing better, but they don't offer solutions, you know? So I'm not trying to be one of those people who just talk without offering any solutions or guidance. I mean, so to the fellas out there, you know, I always say that representation matters. If you do not have it within your circle, your environment, your home, go outside, look at podcasts, look up celebrities or individual. Actually, I don't like putting celebrities on pedestals because we're all human beings. We're all people. We all fuck up. But if you see somebody doing something positive, just see what they're doing and see what you can soak up for them. Right. Um, really commit to dreaming big than actually executing. Right. We often get stuck in the eternal honeymoon phase of the dreaming part of the process, which often sounds like I'm going to, I want to, Now, I mean, it's just real, it's what it is. But in order for shit to, to really occur and come to life is dream, plan, and execute. Sounds simple, but it's easier said than done. You know, you either want it or you don't. But I'm out here feeling like Steph Curry hitting threes from anywhere, you know what I mean? And the stuff that we have in store, the Rose Hulk session for next year, I am excited and I cannot wait to let it go. I can't talk about it yet, but stay tuned and get ready pine your head top or whatever Drake and DJ Khaled be saying with that fake ass accent. Get the fuck out of here. So like I mentioned, today is the second year anniversary of the Real Talk session series of us following our LLC. You know what I mean? But... It all was really birthed back in 2017, November 2017 to be exact, with uh, an event that I had the pleasure and honor of interviewing 
Dr. Wendy Osefo, who is now on the Real Housewives of Potomac back at the university. So, um, you know, it, it birthed from that event. I never was a public speaker. I never was in front of people talking, but you know, that's what sparked the Real Talk Session series. That's what sparked this podcast. Know what I mean, so that audio is actually going to be released on Christmas. I'm going to drop that off for y'all later on. That's going to be a little Christmas gift to, for y'all. So y'all know it's coming up, right? And, you know, you never know. We may be able to get Dr. Wendy Osefo back on here, you know, get a little updated real talk. Now that she's on the Real Housewives of Potomac, and I'm sure she has some other amazing stuff going on because she's just a dope individual in general. Know what I mean? But um, in case you have been um, following, you know, salute, appreciate y'all. But if y'all haven't, I mean, check out the new Melanated Mental Health Moment Quarantine Edition videos that are out now. Uh, the Power of Mindset and the Benefit of Journaling. We have the ability to change any situation that we are in, but we have to tap into our mindsets to create that change. So, you know, I'm dropping little jewels on that um, within the Power of Mindset video. And also journaling can be a great tool to creating that change too, you know, getting out those thoughts, that trauma, uh, that them people you want to curse the fuck out. I put that in my journal. So I highly suggest you doing that too, because you know, we can't be leaving these things in our minds, especially if we don't have someone positive we can talk to within our lives, someone that we can trust. If we don't have a therapist, a mental health professional, a doctor, someone that we can trust and go to, you know, at least get it out on pen and paper. Um, trust me, it works. And I was one of the people like, man, fuck that shit. That shit don't work, man. But nah, it does work. Definitely. Also, because we keep dropping shit on y'all. Now, I mean, we just do this. Now, I mean, the new Kitchen Witch and Hoodoo Education video is out with the homie Juju Bay from A Little Juju Podcast. So don't get it twisted with the titles. You know, um, we still have a lot of work to do as black people. Remember that hoodoo is black culture. It is our history. It is not evil. Them white people just rewrote our history like everything else and demonized it. Um, so it's time to decolonize our thoughts. You know, our ancestors use herbs for various uses and she gets all into that. You know, she's teaching you the various things that you may already have within your kitchen and cabinet that you can use to better your lives, to provide protection for your life, to bring abundance of money, to protect yourself from the law. Because, you know, the law be out here. And I mean, I know some of y'all got some cases. But yeah, uh, check out that Kitchen Witch and Hoodoo video by Juju Bay and the Real Talk Session series. That collaborative effort, I mean. And learn some shit. Get your blackness on, I mean. Also, we had them fire, fire, fire. Don't let these degrees fool you hoodies out. Don't let these degrees fool you. You can catch these hands. Don't let these degrees fool you. They do not make you a better person than anyone else. It is whatever you want it to mean. You do not need a degree to rock this hoodie. And as always, free shipping on all orders. Plus, the proceeds are an investment to our mission of providing empowering educational content to help advance black communities across the nation. We've been doing a lot um, video. We got live events we've done in the past. We got the podcast. So all this stuff y'all seeing is self-funded. Uh, we have some bigger things coming up too, but you know, we do need your support and the, the financial aspect is very big. You know, uh, we don't take that lightly. We appreciate y'all. And it allows me to provide opportunities to amazing black and people of color professionals and creatives. And I mean, um, we just try out here trying to spread our impact and to really help people out, you know, so help us out. And I mean, get that fly ass hoodie ladies, go ahead and buy him a hoodie and steal it. Act like Shaggy and it wasn't me.
And if hoodies aren't your thing, or if you already have bought a hoodie, then donations are gladly accepted. Please visit realtalksessionseries.org. Also, we do have a brand new website coming out soon. Shout out to bullyai.com, Dave Anderson, and the rest of the Bully Gang. If you need a quality site for the low low, hit them up. And I also will put in my little uh, referral code because you get the little hookup on that joint. You know, you help me, I help you, you help me, you know what I mean? And we just spread it back out. I mean, it's all good. So look out for updates about the new website because it will be changing. Um, you know, we out here just doing everything. I mean, we, we, we got new shit dropping, new new merch, new content. We out here feeling like Master P. Don't stop now, bitch. I can't stop. And if you are on the Chatty Chatty, aka Clubhouse, follow me at Real Talk Only. Hearing these youngest combos has me feeling mad nostalgic. I ain't gonna lie. Um, I'm no longer a fuckboy, but um, I was the king of my fuck flirts combos back in the day. And I mean, and um, they they doing it well. You know, they got me feeling extra watch just listening to them. I'm like, I'm just in the crowd feeling like that proud uncle, like just listening, like damn. But it's all good, though. You know, no more problematic shit. We don't do that no more. Spring 07 year, the legends. Y'all already know. <laughs> if you know, you know. You know what I mean? Please make sure you are sharing the Miseducation of the People podcast. You know, we're trying to put people on and provide them with the information that they need to know. You know, make sure you are rating five stars and reviewing and subscribe. Also, make sure you're following us at Real Talk Session Series on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube. And let us know your thoughts. Hit them comments and let us know anything else that you may want to see in the future. So today we're going to get right into the conversation. No world updates because, you know, there's been a lot of stuff going on. I ain't prepared that part, but it's all good. Know what I mean, you got a chance to hear my voice, which matters. You know, your day is now better. You're welcome. Not me. Stop, stop fucking around. But uh, today's episode features the phenomenal brother Eric K. Thomas, the founder of the Quintessential Gentleman platform. Uh, the quintessential gentleman highlights black men in particular, um, all the positivity that's being done out here. It's really providing that balance that we need because oftentimes within the media, we just see nothing but negativity, uh, black men being killed, black men being murdered and just negative portrayal. So the quintessential gentleman does an amazing job at making sure that our stories are being told from a positive perspective. So Without further ado, good brother, Eric K. Thomas. Hey, what's going on, Eric? Thank you for coming on to the Miseducation of the People. How are you doing today, sir? Hey, I'm doing good. Doing good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good, good brother. And also, early happy Founders Day to you, too. You know? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Same to yes, you. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Just in case y'all didn't know, we are brothers of Alpha 5 Fraternity Incorporated. Definitely. So, you know, it's always a good... Good, good times to link up with a brother. That's that's good, you know, because not, not all brothers are good and doing good shit out here. So, you know, that's the main thing, just highlighting our brothers out here. So, you know, we trying, uh, try, so I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ain't no try we do over here, you know, bro? But it's all good. So, can you start off, let the people know who Eric Thomas is, your background, and tell us about the Quintessential Gentleman platform that you have, please. Sure, sure. So my name is Eric K. Thomas, and I was actually born in Philadelphia to um, parents. My father is Nigerian. My mother is uh, Trinidadian Venezuelan. Um, both mm. of them are born in those particular spaces. My dad was born in Nigeria. My mother was born in 
um, Trinidad. Uh, so just came up good middle class. Parents worked really, really hard. Um, I attended. Mm. I was born in Philadelphia. Went to high school in New Jersey. Went to college in Virginia. After graduating college, I moved to Miami. And then mm. uh, I moved to Atlanta after being after doing four years in Miami. Was in Atlanta for a year and a half, and then I moved to New York and have been in New York for about five years now. Okay, okay. So that's that's it on me and the quintessential gentleman. I created a media platform called the quintessential gentleman, which tells the stories of positive black men. So more of a lifestyle brand, um, focusing on you know changing the narrative and helping to guide minor day men into modern day gentlemen so we create content we interview a lot of black men black and brown men we create content for them um, engage with various different brands um, that are interested in speaking to that particular demographic as well as making sure that we show the affluency and the um, ability to um, want to be quintessential um, as it pertains to black and brown men okay dope and that, that platform is definitely something that's needed, you know, because we don't really often see the positive images of black men. So salute to you on that. And I kind of want to backpedal a little bit and go go to your, your uh, experiences of living in different places. You know, I'm a very big uh, believer that having exposure and leaving your hometown is crucial. So can, can you just talk about what living in any different areas did for you at, in your development as a man? Sure. So for me, it was real important. Um, when I started out in Philadelphia, you know, my mm. I was born there, uh, my parents met there, and it was important, you know, for them to, I, I always feel like I had a very sheltered life. I didn't really get yeah. the Black experience, uh, the Black American experience that a lot of people get, because my parents are, um, you know, not from, are immigrants, so they're not from here. So what mm. happens is that I was... Um, having to understand, I found out later on in life uh, more about the Black American experience. So as it pertains mm. to, you know, the music, the TV shows, all of those types of things, I wasn't really exposed to uh, because, again, as when you're younger, you look at the things that your parents look at. So, you know, I know when growing up, I only was allowed to watch like an hour of TV um, during the week. Mm. And that was on particular days for particular shows. Um, there was a lock on any of the music channels. We was cold you had to mm. put in that my parents had so i didn't get to see that type of hear that type of music or be exposed to those type right. of things you never um, guessed the cold now like that i tried and couldn't do it <laughs> I, 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 I couldn't do it but it also was a piece of not wanting to get in trouble for trying to get so you couldn't watch it anyway so it wasn't like even yeah. if they weren't home you know trying to get some cold thing but i do think my sister gets the cold oh got you <laughs> Um, but, yeah, I've been looking at what they showed it the whole time. Like, well, let me see that code real quick. But now exactly, I got you, though. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, but uh, yeah, just a real sheltered life. Uh, you know, I used to, we used to do, my father is an electrical engineer. So we used to do like science mm. projects all the time, um, you know, mm. building computers and, you know, reading encyclopedias. I remember we always just had like this little animal animal book that just talked about all various types of animals and things like that. So it was just very, very educational. So, for me, growing up, it was a different experience as it pertains to the culture. Um, mm. I went to New I moved to New Jersey in high school, so I was around. You know, being in Philadelphia, it was a whole bunch of black people, people that looked like me. But moving over to New Jersey, 
wasn't mm. so. It was very much a, a lot of white people. My best friend uh, when I was in high school, for my freshman year, was white, um, things like that. So it was, it was definitely a different experience for me. I went to a PWI, um, Lynchburg mm. College, and again, uh, or predominantly white institution. I don't I always forget, you know, when you're speaking to people, you got to make sure that everybody knows what PWI <laughs> means. But, um, you know, you go there and experience was very... It was, it was a great experience. I had an awesome time up there, joined a fraternity. But again, I was still surrounded by white people. So it was so mm-hmm. interesting to me as I got older and started moving around. One started moving around when I graduated from college. For me, it was not an idea of going back home. Going back home to me meant I failed, um, which yeah. in hindsight, you know, I graduated in the peak of the recession and trying to figure mm-hmm. different things out. And that wasn't really the best um, opportunity. That wasn't the best decision uh, when I moved to not go back home. But for me, I just didn't want to fail. But it taught me a lot of yeah. it, a lot of things when it comes to survival, you know, living on my own, figuring things out, um, doing mm-hmm. various different things to to get by. So um, I would say Miami, really, I was in Miami. I worked at a radio station. I was 20, early 20. So I was having a really good time in Miami, but um, there was no, there was no professional growth um, out there. So I got laid off from my job and I had signed a contract to where you, I couldn't work for six months in the market. So I moved to Atlanta at a different market um, to work radio, to work in radio. And I will say this about Atlanta. It really exposed me to the black entrepreneur Mm. and walking into these different businesses and meeting different people and they were all black and that's something that being in in philly i did not see in new jersey i did not see virginia and miami i did not see black ownership but atlanta Mm. really really uh embraced that idea as everybody knows and it really gave me the first idea of you know i could own this i can't you know there are people there are black people who do um, own businesses and brick and mortar stores and are thriving so that kind of propelled me to just more be on the understanding of one learning the black culture uh mm. being more exposed to the black culture and i always say the platform the quintessential gentleman actually helped me to be more i kind of say i'm real pro-black at this point in time of my life which is something i never thought that i would not because um, i was yeah. ashamed or didn't want to i just wasn't exposed to it it's a, it's a different feeling i just didn't know that that was a thing or i didn't know that that was a mentality that one should have but mm-hmm. uh, the the platform being able to hear these stories, being able to talk to different people, it really has it changed a lot for me, and I really did. And I know that it, I got that idea first in Atlanta, but I didn't create mm-hmm. the platform until I moved to New York in 2016. Okay, that's dope. And I always like talking to people who come from different cultural backgrounds, who are mm-hmm. from American families. Yep. So, like, I'm really glad you put that in there because, like, there's different values that each culture has. And necessarily, I always see that non-American cultures always have a a way better drive than Americans in general. Right. Um, they're, 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 they have that go-getter spirit. Um, and necessarily, there is no such thing as excuse. You just go ahead and do it. You get it done. I mean, yeah. so definitely thank you for pointing that out. And now you said that... When you moved to Atlanta, that is what sparked the idea for the quintessential gentleman, right? So, so it, it, mm-hmm. I, I won't say it sparked the idea for quintessential gentleman. Um, mm-hmm. It 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 offered the idea of black ownership, and I was exposed to more of the black culture mm-hmm. in 
Atlanta, or I've been, that was the most that I've been ex, um, exposed to black culture was when I was in Atlanta. And then gotcha. when I moved to New York, it was more about me trying to figure out what I wanted to do and seeing a need that I wanted to fulfill. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, kind of those two things together is what allowed me to kind of land on the Clinton Center Journal. Okay, cool. Th- thank you for clarifying that. Because with, with this platform, it's a non-traditional educational tool. And I really want people to see, see how the transitions occur from people getting to the next step. So, right. So you said you were working in the radio station in Atlanta. So when you moved to New York, what exactly were you doing at the time? Were you doing um, more radio stuff or was it something else? So when I moved to New York, I started working at a law firm. So my bachelor's degree is in political science. I actually took the LSATs, was on a, the track to go to law school. And I mm-hmm. actually chose not to go to law school because I did not know what I wanted to do in law. And I did not want to spend X amount of dollars in yeah. law school only to figure out that this is not what I want or trying to figure out what I wanted to do. I wanted to have more of a understanding of what I wanted to do. But if you talk to my mother, she still believes that um, I'm going to bring home a JD someday. <laughs> but, um, <Yeah>. so, <laughs> so I interned at a law firm. Uh, I actually got a job at Sherman and Sterling, one of the law firms here in New York City, as a marketing mm. um, a marketing analyst. And I just kind of worked my way up from uh, marketing analyst to uh, social. I was a communication specialist. And now I am. I still have a nine to five job there that I work as a, a social and digital media manager for a law firm in the city. Okay, dope, dope. I, I like that you pointed out that you still have the other job because oftentimes people think that with entrepreneurship, it's 100% you're going to be able to live off of your business in the early years, right? So I'm glad that you showed that you have that balance of doing something that still is related to media with Quintessential, but you know it's different. And with this, I'm assuming that this funds... Your your that, that provides the capital that you need to build on to quintessential journalism, mean, correct? Or are you it able does. to like it, say it again? It, yeah, it does. Um, so okay. you're absolutely correct. So I think there's multiple ways to start businesses. I think what we hear yeah. um so many times is that oh, if you are not um, if you're not struggling or not homeless, then you don't really want it bad enough. And I will I will never forget there was this I went to this event and there was this one gentleman. Um, who was where I wanted to be and to pertain to, hey, I want some knowledge. I'm just coming to you for some insight. You talk to me about my business. And I was just really, you know, hype about this particular person. I'm um, to be able to speak with them to just kind yeah. of guide me. You know, I think people in the early years of their business are really just looking for people to hear them and just to say, Fact. hey, I don't, you know, I don't think you should do this. Or, hey, you should do that. You know, I've spent the better part of the early years of the business trying to figure out what, what I'm doing. So this person mm-hmm. said to me when I reached out to him, met him in person, he said, or at a particular networking event, came up to him. He said, are you still working a job? I said, yes. He said, come back to me when you're no longer working at your job, because then mm-hmm. I know that you're serious about your business. And I was so, first of all, I was upset because yeah. you just, damn, you think I'm not busy. You think that I'm not I'm serious about my business because mm-hmm. I, I don't. <laughs> because I, I, I had to quit my job because I'm not struggling because, you know, I, I just, I had to pour everything into it as, as far, excuse me, as far as time. But you don't yeah. understand that after I get off the work, I'm handling my business. I'm staying up till two o'clock in the morning doing what I mm-hmm. need to do. So I think this, I think it's a misconception to think that because somebody um, does not have uh, or still has a full-time job or nine to five, that 
that does not mean or negate the fact that they're not still interested and very much passionate about the business and trying to get it grow. But I think that there is a stress component that comes along with building a business and worrying about how am I going to eat? How am I going to pay my bills? How am I going to, where am I going to live? How am I going to put gas in my car to do the things for your business? And my drive come from being very, uh, so I always say this, my parents, do well for themselves, but I'm the type of person for me, I don't ask for anything, I work hard for everything. And there's things that because mm. I knew that in the early years, that if I told my parents or if my parents knew how bad I was struggling, they would have just I would have to come home. They would just say, No, yeah. that's not it, you have to come home. So I hid a lot of the things that I dealt with in my early years as I was trying to find myself and trying to, you know, grow and get jobs and make it out yeah. here that I, I know what it's like to be poor. And at the certain age that I started to such a gentleman, I just was not interested. First of all, being in New York, being in, being poor and in New York is a whole different thing. There's That's a different struggle. Work, different, right? There's yeah. people who work full-time jobs who are still poor because yeah. of them living in New York and how much it costs for you know, their living space and all that type of stuff. And that's just not something I wanted to do. I did not want to have the stress of... Um, not knowing where I'm going to live or how I'm going to pay my bills as I'm trying to get a business. And some people may say that, you know, you don't want it enough, but mm. I, I don't necessarily agree with that. Yeah. Now, I agree with you wholeheartedly because this thing, that's this thing. Stress is a very big factor in many people's lives. And oftentimes it comes from finances. That's one of the mm-hmm. biggest, like, stressors for us, right? Mm-hmm. So... That kind of mm-hmm. actually pulls me into the, the next question because with this interview, I really... We, we have a lot of issues with men. We're doing a lot of positive things, but it's more so I want us to be able to grow and not stay stagnant or have these mindsets from back in the day being present, right? Yeah. So I, I use people's stories to help inspire. So what is your relationship with money and how did you get to this point? Um, this Because I know for me, I had the mentality of uh, for, for the longest that, oh, money is just it's like water. I just spend it. And necessarily I had to really change my mindset and understand that it is a tool to advance yourself. So, you know, I had to sacrifice chilling with people. I had to really just dig in, stay at home and save my money and work on my credit score and all that stuff. And that came to me after I hit rock bottom and necessarily seeing the pattern of finances were the things that always negatively impacted my relationships, my, my, my uh, romantic relationships. So that's how I got mm-hmm. to this point. Right. So, you definitely seem like you're doing very well for yourself. So what is your relationship with money and how did you get to this point? What, what was that process like? So that's a, that's a, <laughs> a wide range. <laughs> um, so first, mm-hmm. when it comes to, to money, again, I, my parents, uh, people will think that they're, where, they're, they're well off, uh, but they do work for everything that they have. Um, but they're, what they put money into was different than other people. We did not wear, you know, the Jordans or, mm-hmm. you know, all the name brand shoes and things like that. My parents didn't care about those type of things or, you know, having, you know, a nice car or, you know, yeah. having an expensive car. My dad is a car person, so he always had a nice car, but it wasn't it, it wasn't a foreign car or anything like that, you know. But he always, mm-hmm. he always um, had, had a nice car, but there was experiences and expenses that my parents went through or had that they didn't necessarily, that wasn't the typical um, for, for other people. So I say that to say them having money did not translate to, to me having money. Um, 
as yep. it pertains to the things that they're that they spend their money on. Yeah. So the the difference in how people would associate my parents having money or, or doing wealth of themselves is that my I, you know, never wore Jordans, like I said, any of those name brand things. But mm. when I went on a trip, my parents would give me a hundred dollars to go on a trip. We, I think I was, I'll never forget that is we, I was in this type of thing for church. My uh, parents, well, my grandmother grew up Seventh day Adventist and uh, I was part of the Pathfinders, which was like this boy scout type of thing. And we went, I think I felt like we went to Canada or, or somewhere like that. I can't really remember, but it was, mm-hmm. I was there for a week and they, um, they gave me a hundred dollars and mm. All the other people or friends or whatever I had had like 40, had like 50 or so. It was nothing like I had. But my parents, yeah. so it, that that was kind of the difference for me as it pertains to, to financial. So understanding that background of what my parents understood money and what they used money is was different for me. And, and I would just say instrumental. So, you know, I purchase things now because I like them and, you know, I'm, I'm a little better than I was in the past for sure. But I still don't buy I would say expensive name brand things. Not that I don't want to, or not that I don't afford. I can't afford them, but mm. it's more about um, you know what what I would spend my money on. So I spend money on like electronics. You know, I'll buy a TV, yeah, I'll buy same. a computer, or things like that. There's different uh, different level of things I would spend my money on, and I think yeah. me being a part of the Quincy gentleman has changed that because of me being exposed to certain things. Uh, you know, different. Uh, fashions and things that are interesting. So I think you will. St- I have started to change my mindset on that. But that's kind of the background of where it comes from from a financial standpoint. Now, when it comes to when I am, how I'm living, as it pertains to the finances that I'm keeping, one is saving. I'm tr- I have to do a better job, and I've had to do a better job of saving. One because mm-hmm. one that was never that was never taught to me. Uh, your parent, my parents, you know, were, you know, they worked all the time and all their money, you still, still paycheck to paycheck, um, regardless yeah. of it. There was no idea of how to save and what you should be saving and things like that. Then it's also me understanding the idea of credit and, and loans. So Facts. people think that, you know, oh, you shouldn't have any credit cards or you shouldn't have loans. And I speak personally for me, for me, I think you should be making money off of other people's money. That is something you should be doing or trying to That's do. That's the biggest lesson I learned this year. <laughs> Make money off of other people's money. You making money off of other people's money. So even if you have, uh, you know, having credit cards, you can have 20 credit cards. That's not a bad thing. Are you able to keep them at a particular level under utilization is the key. You can keep yep. them on 30%. That's good because that shows that you're able to have a credit card. You're able to make credit purchases, but you're also able to pay that back. Also with loans, you can take out a loan. Taking out a loan is not a bad thing. Taking out a loan to, to you know, pay off your credit cards and get them down so that you now can make a payment once a month, you know, from a lump sum standpoint, that makes sense in order to make your credit better. So there's, there's these ideas of, you know, that's one side of the financial institutions and what they're able to do if you're able to get loans, if you're able in a situation that you aren't disciplined to pay them back. But then also being able to use other people if you've created something that other people are trying to get to or other people are trying to speak to. Personally, about the Quintessential Gentleman, we talk to black men. So when we're talking about advertising and sales, we're talking to people who are all just also interested in that demographic. But I'm talking to mm-hmm. the people who do not necessarily have a grapple on that 
um, in this or that demographic and don't know how to speak to them. So if I can create something that I can speak to them, now I'm infusing your, my product, my services, or excuse me, your product, your services with what I have to be able to help you get that new audience. So from yeah. a financial standpoint and money, I think it's really, really important for people to understand that, to understand how to use the business side of finances when it comes to getting credit when it comes to getting loans when it comes to having passive income and things like that yeah. i always say my ultimate goal is for me to be an angel investor i want to be able to have a portfolio of various different companies so if you yeah. come to say come to me and say hey i want to, um, to create a sock company all right so here's 50 grand to start your sock company i'm also going to help you from a marketing standpoint and then you just pay me my um, dividend or whatever my interest is off of what i've given you for my investment in the company every month. And that is a passive income, given that the business does well and all of those type of things. And that's ultimately what I would like to do. Um, you know, I'm glad definitely that you brought up the, the passive thing. I know personally for me, 2021 is the year of passive income for me. Like mm -hmm. I, I, I learned how to create money in 2020. Yeah with my business. Now it's more so working on improving that process and then also developing to a passive income. So, you know, looking into vending machines, cause that's something I want to do real estate. I want to get into 2021. So, you know, I'm, I'm glad you brought that. Uh, you, you really went in depth with that process of be, becoming comfortable with money and yeah. being in control of money. Cause oftentimes people are not in control of money. You know, uh, people get credit cards, especially me, <laughs> college. I was 14 G's in the hole. I'm like, Oh man, Oof. trying to impress people balling yep. out, you know, getting yep. liquor, clothes, all that stuff. But like at the end of the day, I had to realize that in order to create a change that I had to check myself and hold myself accountable. Right. Yep. And I noticed that, you know, just not in finances in general, generally, but, this overall, you know, um, I had issues with holding myself accountable for, for different things, pointing fingers uh, when I was the one that was causing issues and whatnot. Um, I had a victim mentality. Right. Mm -hmm. So one thing that I'm seeing now is that the same thing. A lot of men do have this victim mentality. And, you know, I'm just curious on your thoughts. What do you think um, is the issue with men uh, not having the ability to hold them, uh, themselves accountable for their actions? So, I do not think you should be a victim, right? Mm -hmm. I do not think that there, you know, people, I'll just say specifically black men should, you know, should be, uh, should consider themselves a victim. I don't think that you go through life as a victim. What mm -hmm. I would say is two things. One, people do need to understand where the history of the black men is what it what what we come from and the traumas and the things that we've had to endure um, from mm. being from living in this country. I'll just speak about America specifically, and we've been manipulated to think that we are less than, we're not worthy. We have been conditioned to think that we don't do enough. Um, and people think that the situations that happen between black men and black women is of the fault of themselves. And it's not, you know, they're mm -hmm. the slavery times they pinned us against each other, the color of our skin, the class system, all of those things have been created. That has all been orchestrated. So that's one people need to be aware of that. That's just one particular piece. The other mm -hmm. piece is that knowing what those things are that are systematic, that are foundational, um, and things that we cannot change, how do you move forward from that? 
And to your question, it's you do have to hold yourself accountable and also want to do better, want to do more. So one, I think that people definitely, or Black men, you have to hold yourself accountable. But it's even the problem of not even holding yourself personally accountable is your friends and family. So yeah. I have this conversation with people all the time where I, you know, if something, if I hear a friend say something, I will say, well, you know, you can't say that anymore. You know, that's, we, that's not good to you for you to say. Um, or, you know, if they are doing certain things that we don't agree with or don't, you know, or should not be, be done or things that we don't do, don't do, we have a responsibility to speak mm-hmm. on those things and to check our friends, our brothers, our sisters, our whoever. And a lot of times we get upset for a white person to say something or someone that's not our demographic to do something like that. But you're going ahead and, lo- and letting Uncle Clinton do that same thing and you're perpetuating mm-hmm. these these same type of one stereotypes to these issues that have stemmed with us that continue to hold us back and that's imperative for us to move forward is to have that accountability um, of our own self but then to have accountability for our for our audience, for our community to do the same. And I feel like we have to do a better job at speaking up on those things that do not move us forward. Facts. And that, that's something that we do need to normalize, you know, because the, the conditioning and program that we have from back in the day, it, it's heavy. And one thing I always say, like, you do not know what you don't know what you don't know. Like, the school system has done a, a great job in just misinforming us so that we can be pushed and pulled without asking um, you know, the systematic racism with different institutions has done the same thing. So, you know, it's one of those things I really, the issue, the, the problems, the struggles are there, but you know, you have to find that thing that pushes you forward. Right. So at any point in your life, right. What was the, was, cause like, I always want to show how people got through struggles. So was there a point where no matter how hard you worked, it felt like you couldn't reach the next level. So like, what, what, t- tell me about that moment of frustration and what got you through that point in your life? So just so everybody knows, um, this, the quintessential gentleman is like my fifth business. Um, so I don't want people to think, oh, he had one business and he got it and all that type of stuff. Um, one, this is the one business that caught on. Um, two, it is the business that is the most um, public or where it's it's more more of a service, more of a product where people can, it's tangible. People can see it and, and it's happening. Um, yeah. I have had, I've tried to have a marketing company. I've tried to have um, a, a promotions company where we will promote events. Uh, I've tried to own a, um, uh, what was this thing? A banquet hall. I was going to, me and my best friend, we're going to get a banquet hall. We were in, mm. working on that in Florida. Uh, I also was going to start uh, working on a reality TV show and all of these various different things just did, they did not pan out. They did not work. There were frustrations that did not happen. And and I yeah. would say this, even with one that did work out, my, I had a media company where I did marketing and advertising. I would do basically um, uh, an ad agency for clients. And mm. it's funny because in 2016, that company 
build more money than the quintessential gentleman. And it's funny because I would talk to my dad and say, hey, Bob's, I would like you to invest in my marketing company. And he couldn't, mm. it's not tangible. Like he didn't know, but I'm like that, you see the revenue generation that I'm actually had, like there's actually money coming in and it's fine. And he didn't yeah. see that vision for that. But when it came to the quintessential gentleman, which did at that time did not make anything close to what the marketing company did, he mm. was more receptive to do something or to assist with the quintessential gentleman because that was something that was forward facing. That was something that was tangible that Got he you. could see. Um, that he could he could put his name on or put uh, attach himself to. So, for me, it's it's been quite quite a bit of struggles. And I told you the times that I've moved um, to the various cities, I've started over every single time I move. When I moved from Virginia to New York, mm. I started over. And excuse me, when I moved from Virginia to Miami, I started over. I started over with um, two hundred fifty dollars in my hand and a check for three hundred coming in two weeks. And I told mm. my parents that I had a job when I moved down there. I did not have a job. I did not have a car. I didn't have family. I actually mm. rented a room out of um, Craigslist um, in mm. my in Opalaka, which more dangerous places in Miami uh, to live. And it's funny because people, when when you live up north, it's, oh, Miami, all they show you is South Beach, the palm trees and all that good stuff. But when you live in Miami, it's, Miami, real it's very it's real. It, <laughs> it's dangerous <laughs> out there for sure. So I did all that and I was struggling. There was times when I would go to the casino and look for chips on the floor so that I can pay for mm. food to eat and things like that. So, you know, I just kept, moving forward, knowing that something was better, knowing that uh, I, I was talented and having faith that God would take me through all of these challenges and what's meant for me is meant for me. And I think for me, being someone who has worked so hard at, I want to kind of say I'm a perfectionist. I, I just don't like saying that, but I just, I know I'm, I'm good at a lot of things and I work yeah. hard to be good at a lot of things. And I work so hard that I stress myself out because of mm -hmm. me trying to be good at those things or ensuring that I'm good in those things. But for me, yeah. you have to, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change any of that because it has made me who I am. The experiences, all of the bad experiences have taught me things. Uh, it was funny. I was talking to a friend earlier today and, and mm. they were saying, you know, oh, it should be common sense. And it's like common sense isn't common. People Fast. don't always have the same experiences or know what to do mm -hmm. in a given experience. And I would take somebody, I would take somebody who has 20 years of experience over someone who just graduated from Harvard tomorrow because yep. they know how to navigate certain situations given the experiences. And that's why a lot of times you do have, unfortunately, you do have people in our community, black and brown men, black and brown women who are better fit for particular jobs just because they've been through stuff. And I will always say that um, someone who was poor and down and out will never be poor and down and out again because they know what it's like and they have a fear Man, of being poor and out, that they will never be like that again. You can't trust someone who yep. always had it because they don't know. Because if some have, they, they don't know how to navigate. But somebody who has been down there, well, no, I will yep. never be, knocking on wood, poor again. I may not have everything, may not be rich or whatever, but I know that I will always bear minimally have a place to live, a place to eat, uh, mm -hmm. or some food to eat, something to drink and stuff like that, because I know what it's like to not have those things. Yep. That's that it reminds me of uh I think it's the dark night where Bane was like, 
you just got acclimated to the dark. I was born in the dark. I thrive in the dark. And I mean, yeah. so that's the way I look at it. Cause yeah. I know with me, I ain't going back no more. Yeah, that's <laughs> like, it. I, yeah, I'm not hitting that rock bottom no more, man. And definitely you cannot have a testimony without those tests. And you definitely have a story of resilience that is, you know, it's, it's definitely inspiring. So, you know, salute to you for getting through that and being an inspiration and using that to be able to push yourself forward and pushing other people forward too. So, you know, um, we're, we're all in a pandemic together, you know, no one's ex excluded from this, right? Mm -hmm. So as a business owner of not a small business, but your business is pretty big. How is, how, how are you doing through the pandemic right now? Like what has that adjustment period and process been like? So honestly, in the beginning, I was, I was nervous. Uh, mm -hmm. We had, it's funny, 2020 was our year, just like everybody's year. We were moving out to mm -hmm. events. We were going to start, we we had kicked off our first Mocktail series. Mocktails is men of color telling their stories. And we had Hill Harper mm -hmm. on that. We had um, Don Inman on there as well, mm -hmm. Dontrell Inman, uh, one of the uh, football player. We, we had a really big kickoff and we was, oh, Mocktails, we're going to do this. This is going to be great. Everything was yeah. set up. We had our magazine covers. We actually were supposed to have Vernon Davis on our sports mm. issue. And we were just so excited. We were getting ready. And then just like that, we shut down. That, so yeah. it, it canceled everything. You could now, again, you're talking to a business who thrives off of original content. Someone who mm -hmm. you have to do photo shoots. You have to do interviews. You're trying to do videos. You're trying to do events. All of those type of things, and it's gone. You are you, you can't do anything. And in the beginning, yeah. it, you know, and I in the beginning it was like, oh, a week or two, we'd be fine. But around that second month, third month, it, it was okay. So what are we really going to do? Because we can't. We're, we're not doing anything. You know, the, the plans that we mm -hmm. have are shot, and this is this is our livelihood. These are the things that we we supposed to do, and we couldn't do any of that. So we had to start figuring things out. And for us, which was really a blessing, when we started the pandemic, we were doing things on social media, working on our social media, uh, continue to post things and, and having our website. But mm. we changed everything to focus on doing interviews with people. Um, the IG Lives became a thing. And the IG yeah. Lives being a thing was more of, the entertainment company starting to realize that these people still have to promote things. The their mm -hmm. the publicists, the 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 um, actors, the singers, all those things. They still have to work. They still need to get this press. They still need to get these media. So yeah. they now you know doing Skype interviews and Zoom interviews was never really a big thing um, from the smaller media platforms. You know they always want to do things in person. If you were to get some type of interview, it would be either phone interview or something like that but to do an mm. ig live or to do something it wasn't heard of but then that boom happened and then people started doing ig lives and people started going on lives and things of that nature and that whole shift mm. and we actually went from eighteen thousand followers i'll never forget we went from eighteen thousand followers in march to four, yeah. forty thousand followers now yeah um, peeps i'm like yeah yeah and, and but that was <laughs> a six month well i think we had i think we had forty thousand probably yeah, I think 40,000 probably by October. So if you think mm -hmm. April, May, June, July, August. So let's just say six to seven months that 
that span, and that's unheard of. Like that's not how you right. gain. You don't gain followers, um, or you don't gain you know twenty something odd followers out of mm-hmm. a couple months. It, it doesn't normally happen like that for a media brand. Now there's personal brands and stuff that you know do different things, and uh, it works that way. But from a media brand, it's it, it doesn't happen that way. The increase doesn't happen. So we had that shift yeah. in the engagement. We had to start thinking about how we're talking to people, the type of content that we're producing. And another thing that became big for us too was the social injustice piece. And we mm-hmm. were able to... Re- so I always say this, when I created a platform, I never wanted to be negative. Um, there was enough, there's enough gossip blogs, enough blogs that talk about people, yep. talk about black men in a negative light. And I never wanted to be that. And I also did so much that I didn't even want to bring attention. I didn't want to bring attention to the negative things that are happening in our community. I don't want to post um, black men being shot, being killed and things like that. I just, I wanted yeah. to really be a release. I wanted you to come here and, you know, be uplifted, to be inspired, to aspire, to be these, um, either these people to hear these stories and things like that. But yeah, I appreciate I you for that too, definitely. No, it, 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 that's what that's what the focus was. But I also realized, especially under the administration that we're currently in, but we will not be in for the, um, within another couple months. But I realized mm-hmm. that by me being quiet and us not sharing the stories or talking about those things, we were in fact complicit in mm-hmm. helping these things to happen because you have we have an obligation to speak to our audience and to provide our audience with the details of the things that are happening. If it's sharing a link for us to, um, uh, about a particular protest, um, for you to know about uh, things that's going on, or if there are information that you need to know about where you can go. I know we created this whole thing about um, when all the protests were going on, we created an article about here are um, um, organizations that you can donate to to get these um, protesters out of prison uh, or out of jail because they were been arrested or whatever and we we made a shift around social justice because we had to we had to start speaking on things so we don't inundate our followers or our audience with these things but we cannot shed light on it we cannot be a brand that's for black men and not talk about the things that are happening yeah. to black men so we had to make that shift and it was important for us to do so mm-hmm. and th- that's one thing i'm I'm truly grateful for 2020 mm-hmm. because um, it really removed us from our old mindsets and it really caused us to be innovative, right. to detach from the old ways of doing things. You know, um, one of the biggest lessons that I learned in my second master's degree, probably the the, the only valuable thing really mm-hmm. was that culture trumps strategy. You can't mm-hmm. keep doing the same things. You know, when you see that the environment has changed, you're either going to sink or swim, you know, and that's what y'all are doing and y'all are doing it well. So salute to y'all. And with 2020, it really has caused us to look inwardly and to get through this period of time. So, you know, for me, I know spirituality has played a big role with me, really tapping into my ancestors to heal the different patterns that's been going on within my family, uh, the depression, anxiety within myself, you know, so really working on my spirituality to get where I need to be to become a better man and show up whole in all spaces, right? right. So what role does spirituality play, spirituality and religion, because I don't know if you're religious. Uh, I know necessarily I'm not a religious person, but mm-hmm. what role does spirituality and religion play in your life and within your business? So for me, you have to be, for me, personal opinion, mm. 
I can't, I can't do the things that I do, wake up in the morning, breathe, the things that you see, the things that happen without believing that there is a higher power, a higher power of someone doing those things or making it a way for you to do those things. If you just think logically, it's, it's not possible. It's, it's honestly not possible. So for me, I, I definitely believe in a higher power and I have to be in someone who has an issue with control releasing mm. control has been the biggest thing for me um, in this particular pandemic to understand that I cannot control. I pretty much can't control anything. Like there's, a, there's, there's very little that I actually can control. And it's the I, understanding. That's the lesson that I learned. <laughs> yeah, right. that's the lesson right. I learned, man. Right. It's like, there's more things that you cannot control than things that you actually can control. And mm-hmm. the things that you can control you need to control them, you know, because yeah. that is your emotions, your feelings, your thoughts on certain things. Those are things that you have to control and have to have a a, gra- a, 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 a grasp of. So that's when it comes to spirit, spirituality from a personal standpoint. From the business standpoint, I, I don't like to... I think we've lived in this world where we have been di- we have been taught that if you you know if you don't go to church you're going to hell if you don't yeah. uh, if you don't do this you're not a good person if you don't do that and and I do believe if you do believe in God that there is a free will peace that he has given everyone to think and do what what they please so mm-hmm. i i speak on things from a personal standpoint my my brand we don't uh we don't necessarily dive into those same and share those type of things because i feel like those are things that people need to come to on their own i think well let me, let me reframe the, that, that part then so okay. in terms of you running your business like what does that role like like what does spirituality ha- what role pl- i'm sorry what role does spirituality play with you running your business, being the executive behind pushing the machine? Because I, I know for me, um, I'm doing everything with little guidance. I just got a business coach now, but it's more so just trial and error. And, you know, when you're investing in your business, that's money that's coming out of your pocket that's not guaranteed to come back. Yep. So for me, I'm like, I'm, I'm working on faith, faith. So I'm trying to make it big like y'all. So like, what exactly like, like role and, you know, does that play for you when it comes to the direction and uh, stirring the ship, which is quintessential gentlemen? So for me is, is definitely by faith, uh, believing that these, the things that I'm doing is for the greater good. And I mm. honestly believe that God has shown me my passion. This, I, I never thought that I would be doing this. I told you my experience is Black America, uh, of the Black experience. That was not mm. something I was brought up with. That was not something, you know, a lot of people who have created platforms for Black people uh, are very, they speak a lot about their ancestors and their, and their family and the struggles and things like that, that they've gone through in order to create this particular outlet. And that, that wasn't my, that wasn't my story. And mm. I didn't see myself being an advocate for black people, not saying that uh, I was, you know, I don't, I, I wish I was white or I, I don't care for black people. It just, that wasn't my role. I just grew up with this mentality of, I just got to make it. Just got, you know, yeah. do my job, go just, you know, got to do, do what I can do. And that's the best I can do. But now I felt like God has put me here to help other people, black men. I will share a story um, or just this one little tidbit. There's two things. One, I still get 
uh, I still feel a certain way when people say, uh, they'll ask me, oh, what do you do? I say, oh, you know, I, I run, you know, this uh, platform called The Quintessential Gentleman. Oh, I heard yeah. of that. It blows me away every single time mm. that someone says it because I still think of it as this small blog that, you know, me, I just put together and then I got some other people that think it's dope also and see what happens. And I don't necessarily see the magnitude of, of the reach that we have gotten. And yeah. it's gotten so much that we get a lot of people internationally speaking or seeing or showing or um, seeing the seeing the content that we're creating. And one day I was checking the the DMs in a box and it was it was a gentleman. I uh, can't remember exactly where he's from, but he wasn't from America. And mm. he said, thank you for your platform because um, I was going to kill myself. But because mm. of what you just, what you posted on your page, um, I did not take my life. Mm. And that, that's powerful. That was explosive to me. First of all, I didn't know how to, one, digest that, uh, that mm. you, you know, by the things, the type of conversations that we have or that we, we put into our social media pages or the content that we create has had that much effect on people or on someone, even if just one person. Just, even if I don't do anything else and I've saved a life, to me, is is a spiritual sign that you are doing the right thing, um, one. And then also yeah. trying to figure out, it, it made me start to think, and again, you and I, and you know, we had these conversations all, 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 um, off, off camera, off talk or whatever, about what else we're doing. And that's why you and, uh, that's why we, the brand wants to move further and deeper into these conversations about traumas, about black mm. men and what they do and what they feel because a lot of black men's experiences are similar. But because mm. we are trained or conditioned not to speak on our emotions, not to act emotional, not to be sensitive, not to do all of these type of things, we don't share yeah. them. And we don't know that the person next to us is going through that same issue, that same problem. And what, yep. how powerful it could be for you to know that that person that you're riding on the bus with or in the car with or your brother or your cousin or your father is dealing with or has dealt with the same thing that you're dealing with, which one normalizes that it's not just you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's you're not you're not that and that's the key word you said. I'm glad you said normalizing it because it's not normalized right now. Yep. We need to make that change, you know? Yep. One is not normal. Two how did they get through it? You guys can talk through it together mm-hmm. and figure out how to deal with it. And three, being human. Black men are not allowed to be human. We are not allowed to be. Um, uh, we're not allowed to be emotional. We're not allowed to talk about our pain. We're not allowed to yeah. feel a certain type of way. And if we are, we are labeled as. You know, we, maybe we're labeled labeled as gay. Maybe we're labeled as being a being a woman. Maybe we're a punk. Mm. Maybe we're a nerd. Maybe we're all of these negative things for someone who is showing their emotion. But what they would, what society has thought of as a good emotion to show of showing your masculinity is anger. Yep, that is an emotion that is okay for a man to have, and. 
for me, again, going back to the spirituality thing, I really mm. do believe that this platform and the thing that I was created here to do was to be an advocate for Black men. And I think that God continues to show me as I continue to hear these experiences, hear people um, engage with the platform, continue to have these conversations about the various conversations that need to be had within our community. And like those affirmations that you get, you know, like you said, from that gentleman who, you know, stated that you help save his lives. Those are crucial. Those are very important. And people don't realize that, you know, with me, I started my platform and I was talking about my story and just being shocked about the amount of people who actually know about it and the people who say that they get benefit from the information. So, you know, it's definitely us living within our purpose. And, you know, when you're on the right path, then you'll get those affirmations saying, hey, keep going because you know oftentimes we had that selfless mentality of oh what can i do for myself but sometimes you got to do for others in order for you to receive those blessings you know right. you can't have an arm full of blessings and expect to be able to fit more in there and i mean you got to give it out so yeah. you got to give your gifts to help others right so you're doing a lot <laughs> you, you you got the magazine you got your regular job so what do you do for self-care? What does that look like when you need to recharge that cup when you're stressed out, pissed off, or just not in the mood, don't got nothing in the tank, right? And I think that it's important that I ask this question of men because some men have an issue with finding um, positive ways to find that self-care to release stress, you know, turning to liquor, turning to food for comfort, mm -hmm. TV, anything to escape reality, because that's what they, that's all they know, you know? Yep. Um, so I, I recently for me, um, I, I tried hatchet throwing and I went to the gun mm -hmm. range yesterday. So, you know, I, I'm nice with both of those, but I digress. But uh, anyway, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but like I've been looking for different outlets and, you know, I've spoken uh, a lot about what I've done for self-care. So those were some new things I've tried. So like, what exactly the, do you do for self-care, Eric, um, when you need it? Tennis. And I will, I will say, I will say, I, I, I have started playing tennis on a regular basis since the beginning of the summer where me and a group of friends will go mm. and play tennis Sunday mornings, 9.30 to probably 2 o'clock. And mm. I look forward to it. It is an exercise. Um, I get better. I, I have the racket. I got I buy the balls every two weeks and make sure we have new balls. Mm. We have we have the cooler, we have ice, we have water, we have um the speaker so we can play music and that right. and it's so funny because i've now realized that when i'm asked this question i can answer it so thank you for that um, <laughs> let me yeah. find out you got the rucker park of tennis and all that stuff i see yeah. a lot here <laughs> we actually have a whole they have a whole tournament that we've set up to where it's bracket oh dope and we all actually right. had you know the end of the year the end of the season because now it's cold we had a whole reception so where it's like the mm. person who was who won the most games, the sore loser. I had the sore loser because I don't like to lose. <laughs> um, we had different awards and all those type of things. But I do yeah. realize that I am genuinely happy when I, I look forward to it. When I'm playing tennis, I'm enjoying it. I'm not thinking about yeah. anything else when I'm in there. And I think when it comes to self-care, those are the feelings you should express or you should have when you are doing self-care. That's how you know that it is actually and truly self-care. And that's the thing, you know, I'm glad you have that outlet, you know, because 
most people just go with the trends of what other people are doing. And, you know, you're not always going to be happy. Like, with me, I don't give a fuck about sports. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I enjoy it. I can play them. But, like, I'm just not sitting down watching them all day. And I know that some people's enjoyment and whatnot. But, you know, I think for me, self-care is more so just doing true to what feels good to you and fucking what, what, fuck what other people's opinions are. Right. You know, because a lot of people have that perception there, you know. So, you know, make sure y'all are going out there refilling your cup please and make sure you're doing it in a positive manner because you know we need y'all in the fight we, we're better together you know mm-hmm. so uh we we getting to wrap up so i, I we we uh the the season of thanksgiving right what are you grateful for this year i am grateful for the pandemic mm-hmm. for so i'm very i'm devastated at the the lives that are lost the people who are no longer here the 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 way that this administration has handled this this coronavirus. But Mm. I am grateful for showing how much we take things for granted. Mm -hmm. Because I will never take for granted the embrace of someone from a hug. I don't think yeah. I, like you think about the hug. Even when you hug people that you're you're close to and you know that they don't have anything, you still are like skeptical. You still feel mm-hmm. like, uh, okay, not too tight. I don't you know. Let me make sure my face is not completely on your face or whatever, yeah. um, or, or or near your face. But I'm I'm it it really has put an idea of the value of personal interactions. Mm-hmm. having people around you i live in a studio apartment and when it first happened i was fine for the first month or two um and then you know my grandmother actually had coronavirus so i actually was dealing mm. with her and I'm not glad being she's around her. thank you so being around her i couldn't be around her my father had open heart surgery so i mm. couldn't be around him so i was He's good now too, right? He's good now. Yes, everyone is good. Uh, Perfect, perfect. God bless. Thank you. And I personally isolated myself from everyone because of conditions and fear of giving them. You know, my sister has three kids, all of those type of things. So when I tell you I was in this space, in this studio apartment by myself, Mm -hmm. and that was, first of all, it made me realize that I cannot be alone. All these people that say, oh, I'm single, I'm okay to be single. That No, if you see me Damn. married tomorrow, just understand that I need that. <laughs> but, Being single uh, in the pandemic is super real. It I was super dating, It was the most yeah. sad, depressing, just there mm-hmm. wasn't enough things on TV. Like there's you and you're literally in your thoughts at all yep. times. You know, even when people had roommates, it's different, you know, because they had or whatever. Mm-hmm. But me, you, I didn't have that. You didn't have any of that. So that, it really made me realize not to take things for granted. Um, and I'm mm-hmm. thankful for that idea. And I think people have to understand that these things have to shake the boat in order for you to realize that you about to run into a glacier or you about to run into a big ice patch or something that is in, that is about to knock you out, you know? And that's why I tell people all the time not to get political, but I'm thankful that Trump was in office because it literally held a mirror to the country 
to show mm-hmm. the type of people that we have here, the things that they think, because at the end of the day, Joe Biden still won, but there were still 70 million plus people that thought that Trump was a person to run a country and they believed in yep. ideas. We cannot negate that. Mm-hmm. And if Hillary would have won, we would have been streamlining, coasting, and still going through the same things that we're going through. But now we we see it. There's You cannot say you do not see it. You cannot be oblivious. You cannot push it under the rug. It is there. And, right. and, and I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for us being able to see because now you're able to prepare. You would, all, yep. you would rather have someone who you know is your enemy than to have someone who acts like they're uh, that acts like your friend and is your enemy because yep. you don't know how to fight that. You can't combat that. So mm-hmm. that is something I'm very grateful for uh, is just the trials and tribulations that we've went through because it helps you to have a better tomorrow, a better 2021 and a better life. Facts, facts, and we're gonna have some great stories to tell our grandkids in the future because it's real. We made it in 2020, okay? Y'all sit down and listen to this. (laughs) Yes, but Eric, truly appreciate you coming on here to talk about the quintessential gentleman. Can you plug whatever y'all may have coming up, uh, magazine wise? And if you got anything personal, so go ahead, throw that out there and let the people know how they can reach you and also the quintessential gentleman magazine. Sure. So we just released our latest issue uh, with King Batch and super excited about it. It is our culture issue where we just really unpacked a lot of the things that have happened in the pandemic, uh, the social injustice, the way that social media played such a part in it. Um, So it's a really good copy. Please check that out. Uh, We'll be releasing our next copy, our next issue, which will be coming out in February. That'll be our power issue. I'm super excited for that, for you all to see that. Um, so that is coming out, uh, recently just did an interview with the cast of Ma Rainey's Black Bottom on Netflix, which is Chadwick Boseman's last and final film. One, I would love for you guys to see that film. Please check it out. It comes out December 18th on Netflix. Um, but Mm. also look out for that interview with these gentlemen. Um, and it was just an amazing, it was an amazing film. It was an amazing conversation I had with them. So please check that out. You can follow us on all of our social media channels. Um, the Q gentleman, uh, it's the, the letter Q and gentleman. And then you also can check us out on our website is the Q gentleman.com where we do have our issues for sale on that website as well. And we are actually coming out with merch with some different colors right. of the hoodies that we have. I'm super excited for that to come out soon. Um, but that will be out and that is going to be, it's going to be great too. So it's coming out in December. So we have a lot of things coming up and we're super excited. Dope, dope. Make sure y'all check out the quintessential gentleman and all of those links will be within the show notes for this episode. But Eric, I truly appreciate you for coming on to the Mr. Education of the People. And you know, hopefully y'all, y'all see more Eric in Real Talk Session series and quintessential gentleman do some stuff in the future too. We'll see. But um definitely appreciate you, brother. Thank you. Thank you. And just take this time off. Thank you for all the work that you've done. This is now second time doing something with you. Every time we do it, it is a pleasure. Thank you for um, allowing us to be on your page, to be able to speak with us. We definitely appreciate it. And we love all the work that you're doing and cannot wait for our future collaboration to come. It's coming soon, Um, but it's going to be amazing, man. But thank you for all the hard work that you're doing. It's definitely needed, definitely seen, and it's appreciated. All right, now I appreciate you too, brother. Now, I mean, so I'll hit you later.
All right. Uh, great. Thank you. The Miseducation of the People podcast is proudly edited and produced by the Real Talk Session Series, where all we do is provide that real talk only. Miseducation.